I wanted to return to where we were last week. And um, if if you weren't here, we were in the book of Romans and <clears throat> talking about attributes of God that um, really do make a difference for the way we live. Um, and last week we looked at this amazing attribute of God, His character and His nature, that is His mercy. And um, I defined that for us very simply as mercy is not getting what we deserve in regards to punishment, in regards to um, what we've earned. <laughs> and um, and I, I want to say with that, um, sort of to, I, I was dwelling on that more this week, and I want to sort of uh, amend that in a sense to say that's, um, that's definitely true. That's mercy expressed. Mercy expressed is you deserve a punishment for your actions, um, but I'm not going to punish you. That's the, express, that's the expression of mercy, um, and it's called forgiveness. Um, forgiveness is part of that mercy as well. But I want to say that um, mercy is more than that, in that it's, it's actually, when we say, well, God didn't give us what we deserve, the question still is why? Do you understand? The question there is why. Why Why did God extend mercy to humanity? And again, if you weren't here, I would encourage you to um, go listen to last week's message. Um, and, and what we said is that God has extended mercy to all of us through His Son. And so mercy comes through Jesus. But this is still a question is why? Why, is, why was that God's choice when he looked at us, when he looked at the situation, when he looked at the due penalty of our sin, which is death? Why is it that God said, but I will extend mercy? Why is it that God says, I desire mercy? He's longing for mercy to be displayed. Why? See, because we can say, well, mercy is that we, just, we didn't get what we deserved. Um, and that's great. But if we don't understand that that's directly connected to his heart, which is God in his heart is merciful. That is his desire. That is who he is. And so his longing has always been to be merciful. Because that's who he is in his, in his nature, in his character. Does that make sense? So when we say that God has extended mercy, the why of it is because God is merciful. And that might seem obvious, but I feel like it's so important for us to know that it's, it's this part of his heart that is longing to extend kindness, extend mercy. And so when we see that show up, it's because it's the overflow of, what, of who he is. Does that make sense? And so I just think it's important for us to know that and, and, and to say that even mercy itself in that way is tethered to the love of God. It's always tethered to the love of God. So when we say God is love, mercy as the expression, mercy expressed through forgiveness is an expression of God's love made tangible to us. So mercy is this expression of God's love. He says, I, I'm looking at the facts here. I'm looking at the case against you. I know what you deserve, and yet I'm going to extend mercy. You realize the only way that God could extend mercy to any of us and still be just is that the penalty had to be paid for some way. Um, I was, we were talking at home group. This is a, a slight 
divergence, but I feel like it's a pretty amazing one if you've never gotten this before. Um, we're talking at home group on Tuesday about, um, again, part of the thing of why is God merciful and how is God merciful. And it's, it's just amazing. There's this amazing realization that just as God is merciful, God is also just. And so there's this part of his nature that is his justice where he cannot just overlook something. And, and because in his nature, there's this role in which he is a just judge. And part of his goodness is actually that. We may not think that that's part of God's goodness, but think of it this way. If a judge um, was uh, looking at your life and someone had wronged you, and um, the judge is looking at all the facts and it's clear they wronged you and they are, are due restitution, pay you back for what they did. The judge may say all the facts are clear, but you know what? I'm I'm gonna just I'm gonna just scratch this one out. Imagine you're the one sitting there, and justice is clearly within hand, and a, a, a verdict is due. And the judge says, "I know what the facts say. I know what the case says. But you know what? I'm I'm sorry you were hurt, but I'm gonna just ignore this." You realize that that judge is no longer a good judge if he does that. Are you guys following me? And and we see that in our world, don't we? Like we see this, there's actually this part of God's nature that is his justice. And we we when we see things that happen the way that they shouldn't happen, when we see things that are not made right the way they should be made right, there's this part in us that cries out and believe it's actually the justice of God that says this is not the way it should be. And it should be made right. Are you hearing me? Okay. But in your case, it's actually a good thing that God says, you know what, I I know what justice would be in this case. But I'm going to extend mercy. And do you realize the only way that God can extend mercy to you and still be just is that the payment has to be paid somehow. So you know how he did it? did it through Jesus. I bet some of you were thinking about that answer. How did he do it? Okay, we're in Sunday school. How did he do it, guys? Jesus. There's this amazing, um, I don't know if I can find it right now. It's in Romans 4, I believe. This amazing verse. And it actually, it links all the Old Testament in terms of when we see God's mercy show up in the Old Testament, when we see God's grace show up in the Old Testament, when we see God in the Old Testament initiating with someone and declaring them righteous, it's actually pointing all of that to Jesus. And and there's this, this word there called forbearance. Anybody know what forbearance is? How many of you have school loans? Like that you're paying off right now. Okay, yeah. Um, Some of you will have school loans. Don't think about it now. Just (laughs) ignorance is bliss, okay? Um, I have school loans too. And I never knew what the word forbearance meant until I got out of college. Forbearance came into effect, praise God. You know what forbearance is? Forbearance says um, Sally Mae sends you a uh, letter in the mail, and they say, so we know you owe us $30,000. That's like on the conservative side here. Um, but, 
And, and you will have to pay it. You're like, oh, I was hoping the letter might say something different. But we're going to forbear your payment. So you're in forbearance, which means right now you don't have to pay it. But eventually you're going to have to pay it. So it's forbearance, but it's not forgiveness. There's, there's a big difference, right? Forbearance is good. Forgiveness is amazing, right? Some of you, if you never heard of the loan forgiveness program, talk to me afterwards. This was not meant to be a plug for that, but let's talk about it. There is actually a forgiveness available with your loans, but we're going to stick to the forgiveness available through Jesus, okay, tonight, all right, and this time. But there is another. Um, so forbearance is saying this is due payment but we're going to postpone the payment. So actually, whenever God extends mercy and grace in the Old Testament, it's not like he overlooked what was going on. He said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to forbear the payment. I don't even know if that's the right use of that word. Your payment is in forbearance until one comes who will pay for it. And there's this amazing verse that says, and through Jesus, God becomes both just and the justifier. Wow. <laughs> it is so good. Oh, I was like, it's, I thought she was telling me what time it is. She said it's 326. I was like, it's not 326. <laughs> All right, yeah, let's read it. Thank you. It says, let's go back. Romans 3. Verse 25, God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. That is an awesome verse, and it actually makes sense of a lot of what um, happens before Jesus. You realize it was all part of this bigger plan and vision that God had. And he said, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm declaring you righteous um, in, in advance. And there is one who is coming who will fulfill that word. And his name is Jesus. So in that, God remains just. The, the sin did not get ignored. And, and actually, if there's ever injustice, it's, it's on behalf of the one who took our penalty on himself. That's the injustice of it all. That's the scandal of this whole thing. And, and God himself says, I'm going to do it. I'm going to pay it. And so I'm remaining just, and at the same time, I am justifying this forgiveness that has come and this righteousness that I'm putting on these people. Wow. All right. <laughs> um, <laughs> I wasn't planning to be there that long. Um, but it's really good. And so I wanted to tonight merge, make a connection between mercy and grace. So God's mercy says, I know what you deserve, but I'm going to instead give you forgiveness. I'm going to take it on myself. And then there's this whole 
other thing called grace. You see, you can have mercy and not have grace. Do you realize that? Mercy would say, I'm overlooking this, but get out of my sight. (laughs) That might be a form of mercy. You might say, "Um, you did something to me, and I know what you deserve, and I'm not going to give you the punishment, but I don't want to ever talk to you again. That's some, um, you know, lesser form of mercy that we might um, maybe at some point in our life have found ourselves issuing, like, and feeling good about it. You know, I could have done this, but... But I just don't want to talk to you anymore. So So mercy and grace are not necessarily um, intertwined. But God, through Jesus, has given us both mercy and grace. And grace is this huge word. And I I don't even know how to really delve into it. But I, I do want to focus on one aspect of grace that I think maybe we... We misunderstand tonight, and um, uh, I want to read the passage that we um, started with last week again, <clears throat> Romans twelve one. It says this, it says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. So last week we said, in view of God's mercy, uh, in order to uh, respond in a right way, in order to respond with what God is actually looking for and desiring for us, we first need to see full view of God's mercy. And I would actually say, we, we need to see not only His mercy, but we need to see His grace full view. And these two things with God actually do go hand in hand. So God, in His goodness, in his abounding goodness, not only does he desire to bring mercy, but he desires to pour out and lavish his love on us through this thing called grace. And if mercy is not getting what you deserve, this expression called grace is getting instead what you don't deserve. So if, if, um, if mercy is just getting us back to this, um, this standard uh, normal place... Grace is everything above and beyond. Everything above and beyond. So if you go into the positive one inch, you're in grace. And, and, and grace is such that it's just abounding. Like, um, so in this uh, heart of love that God has, his grace is not like this stingy grace. It's this abundant grace. And it was his idea to not just extend mercy, but to extend grace as well. And in that, we see that God, his imagination has run wild in terms of what grace actually looks like poured out in our world through Jesus. Um, so I want to delve into that just a little bit. Do you know how amazing God's grace is? I, I think a lot of times we think that God's grace is just this, this covering of, uh, over our sin. This, um, this uh, thing that allows us to be in this place of being unlovable and yet God's still loving us. And that may be a part of it, but I know it's not all of it. Um, and so I want to just, my prayer tonight is that we would catch a vision the vision that God has of what grace could do in our lives. 
what in fact he is, he is extending to us, making available to us through his son so that we could live in it. There's a view of grace in that that we so need to catch. Okay? So, um, just this verse right here where he says, In view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do you realize that the call here to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, do you realize the only way that is possible is through Jesus? Like, you cannot offer a sacrifice pleasing to God apart from Jesus. We've tried. (laughs) The people of God tried over and over again. At some point, they thought they were offering a sacrifice pleasing to God. He said, no, this is just an image of what is to come through my son. So the call here demands, first, the sacrifice of Jesus on your behalf, which has declared that you are now righteous. You are now justified. These two huge words, which essentially say you are now pleasing to God. You are now right with God. That came through the Son. So the fact that you could even be called to and expected to offer your life up in this way to God is only possible through Jesus. So Jesus does this work in you so that you can then give yourself to God. And I want to talk about that work just for a few minutes. Um, This work of grace. Um, somewhere in these notes there's something I want to read what is the vision that we need to catch what is the vision we need to catch You see, somewhere in the heart of God, he looked at things. And in the very beginning, the heart of God said, I have a vision. Love had a vision. And that vision said, let us make. Let us make. Love overflowed to create. And in that creating, that flowed from the overflowing abundance of God, in that, he said, let us make man. And and this distinction comes, and he says, let us make man in our image. And of all the things that he declared good, he looked at man and said, great. He said, let us put a part of ourselves in this creation. That's what he did. In the beginning, the image of God, likeness of God. He says, let's put a part of ourselves in our creation. And this creation will be distinct. This creation will be very good. That was the vision of love. That was the vision that love had in the beginning. And we talked last week about how that God completely completely 
and utterly messed up. And that image gets so skewed and distorted that we couldn't even recognize it. What happened at the fall, God says, in that day you will surely die. What is death? Death is separation from the source of life. That is God himself. It is a spiritual and it is a physical reality that came when sin entered the world. And yet, love still had a vision. Love, the vision that love had in the beginning was no less shakable in that moment than it was when God said, let us make. And so the vision that love had to dwell continued when God sent his son. And I'm skipping a lot in between there. And there is this heart of God all through the Old Testament pursuing, pursuing, pursuing. But there would be a day when the vision that love had would be fulfilled. And it comes through the Son. And through the Son, God dwelled among us. God made his home here, of all places. Of all places, he made his home here. So that we could see what he's like. So that we could see what he's really like. The heart of the Father the heart of the Son, the heart of the Spirit, together they unite. And just as they did in the beginning, they said, let us continue this vision. And the Son says, I will go. And the Father says, I am sending you with all authority that I have, all power, it's yours. Take back what has been stolen. Redeem my creation. Do What has been impossible? When we look at the life of Jesus, we should see two things. And the first one is impossibility. Impossibility in regards to what needed to be done on our behalf. And so he sends his son. And Jesus is the bridge between impossibility and possibility. So the Son comes and He dwells among us and He walks. And in His life, we see what it's like to be one with your Father. In His life, we see what it's like to be free from sin. In His life, we see what it's like to be dependent on the One who made you. In His life, we see what it's like when the Holy Spirit Rest on someone. Think about it. All those things were a result of that. It wasn't God being God. It was God submitting himself in humanity, relying on his Father, empowered by the Spirit, free from sin. Love had a vision, and through Jesus, he was redeeming that vision. The story continues. You realize that Jesus says, as good as this has been, I gotta go. Think about it. If you were there, if I was there, I'd be questioning that plan seriously. Jesus 
Are you joking with us? I haven't known you to lie, but please tell us the truth. He says, no, I got to go. But it's going to be better. Because love has a vision. And you know what the vision, the next part of this vision is? That the very things that I did, you would also do. The very spirit that rests upon me is coming. And he's going to be yours. What? Love had a vision. And... Love had its sight set on that vision. And so Jesus, for the joy set before him, endured the most unimaginable pain. He endured something he never knew before. Separation from his father. He endured the weight of our sin and the penalty that we all were due. What? Why? Because love had a vision. And that vision remains. When Jesus was here, God dwelled among us. When Jesus left, you know what God is doing now? He is dwelling in us. (laughs) That is grace to a degree that is unfathomable. Like, this story is too good to not be real. Do you you hear me? Think about it. None of us would have wrote the story this way. None of us could have dreamed that this is what God had a vision for. We look at the situation as it was. God said, no, I'm going to redeem it. And my grace is going to be such that I'm going to come with mercy and grace. This one-two punch of God's love. That's the wrong way to put it. Punches. Maybe one-two of his embrace. Better, better, closer, still rough metaphor. But you get it? Mercy comes, but then grace comes. And grace is God saying, I have a vision to redeem your life. I have a vision where mercy will come in, but not only mercy, but grace in a way where you are reconciled to me. You are not just free from your sin, but you are now free to know me, free to live with me, free for me to live in you. That is the vision of grace that God poured out through the Son. Are you with me? Okay, so mercy and grace. Here's a a little picture of a couple of ways that those things work together. Um, Actually, I'll just start with um, the story of the prodigal son. This beautiful picture of mercy and grace Hand in hand. Think about it. The son, as a refresher, the son, the father has two sons. The one son says, basically, I wish you were dead, dad. Give me my inheritance. I want to go waste it. I want it now. I don't want to wait till after you die. So he gets the inheritance. He runs off. He wastes it all. In the end, he's so hungry that he's willing to eat what the pigs were eating. And he's thinking, what have I done? And then he remembers his father. He remembers the home. He remembers the goodness that he left. And he says, maybe, just maybe, in my dad's mercy, he will allow me back in. But nowhere in his wildest imaginations does the son ever dream that he will be anything more than a servant. 
and says, maybe, just maybe, my dad will let me back in. Maybe he will let me be like one of his hired hands. He, he has this glimpse of the mercy of God. Oh, but he has no idea how much this father wants to do above and beyond that. So he comes back and he comes with this eloquent um, understanding idea of an apology that he's going to present to the dad so that maybe he will let him back in. And here comes the lavish heart of God running after the son. If I'm the son, I'm running the opposite direction because that's a scary moment (laughs) in light of everything. (laughs) And yet, no, he's running after you out of love. He's running, and while the son was still far away off, he ran to meet him and embrace him. And where mercy would have been, you know what? I know what you did. I'll let you back in, but you need to be a servant. Grace says, you are my son here to prove it to you. Just so you know, just so it's clear to you, this robe is yours. This family ring is yours. These shoes are yours. You're a part of the family again. You always have been. Grace says, not only are you forgiven, Grace says, you're a part of my family now. Mercy says, your sin has been forgiven. Grace says, I have a vision where you become part of this family, doing what this family does with carrying this family name wherever you go. That's the vision of grace that God has for your life. Grace is <laughs> it's ridiculous. Are you guys with me? Why aren't there more smiles? <laughs> Come on. Maybe I'm, I'm really serious about it, but this is incredible. Mercy says you've been free. Your debt is paid. Grace says, now live in my family. Mercy says, you don't get wrath and punishment. Grace says, you get my fullness living in you. Those are two very different things. And God says, I want you to have both. And we could go on. <laughs> we could go on. Um, where are we at right now? Okay, I can't go on much longer. <laughs> at least not this week. Um, I don't know if I'm going to get to it today. Um. But I I do want to just bring us back to this vision of grace. See, the vision of grace of your life is such that when God looks at you, His grace is abundant in a way where when He looks at your life, he's He's not giving you grace to just get by. His grace is abundant in a way where what he is longing for you is to live in the fullness of who you are in his family. 
God's grace is not just for you to get by. God's grace is for you to live in the fullness of the reality of what it means to be a part of His family. When Jesus walked and did what He did, He blazed a trail for us to follow in. He made it possible for us to know the Father, for us to be free from sin, for us to be full of the Spirit of God. That's what He had. And His righteousness over us makes those things now ours. That should be a game changer. That literally should change everything about the way we live. Starting from the inside out. When you realize you get that inheritance, I often wonder what life was like for the son after he returned home. I wish we had part of that part of the story. The party ensues. The father has poured out his love. He's rejoicing at the return of the son. But that's just the beginning of this son's new life in this family and enjoying the abundance. My prayer, my prayer tonight is that we would so catch a vision. That we would catch the vision that he has for us. We need, we need his grace to even see the way that he sees. And we definitely need his grace if we're going to walk in the reality of those things. And it is available. Hear, hear his heart tonight saying, I long to pour my grace out in your life in this way. I long to pour out a revelation of who I am, of my goodness, of my vision for humanity, so covered with this grace, so covered with this love, and I long to extend all of that through you. The question for us is, will we say yes? Will we say, God, I believe, as crazy as it is, that your grace is for me in those ways? That your grace is this amazing, empowering agent that allows me to live true to the family that I'm a part of? that allows me to actually walk in the legacy of Jesus, that allows me to look more and more like him day by day, that's what his grace is meant to do for you. That is what he wants to do for you. We didn't really get to talking about the living sacrifice thing. We'll talk about it next week, maybe, um, and we'll and we'll maybe jump into some more of the specifics of 
how this grace really shows up and how it empowers us and the truth of this dynamic of this life that actually can be holy and pleasing to God. When he calls you to it, the only, the only way it's fair is if he makes it possible. So when he calls you to be holy and pleasing, it's only fair if his grace empowers you to be holy and pleasing to God. And it does. And it will. And it wants to. All right. Let's pray. Dad, I just thank you for this incredible vision that only love could think of, that only love could come up with, that only love could see through. And I thank you for the expression of your heart that shows up in mercy and the expression of your heart that shows up through your wild imagination in this thing called grace. And Lord, I pray, I pray that we would catch that vision. That we would catch the vision and we would be called into it. Lord, that the vision would catch us. And Lord, I thank you for the sufficiency of your grace. And the sufficiency of your grace is the very thing that allows us to walk out what you've called us to. The sufficiency of your grace is the very thing that allows us to step into the vision that you have for us and for it to become a reality. And I thank you that your grace is not cheap. Your grace is strong. And your grace is sufficient. And Lord, I pray that we would be empowered by your spirit. And that we would say yes to what you want to do in our lives. And Lord, that even tonight, God, things that have been unshakable, God, would be, would be broken off because of your grace. Stir us up. Breathe life. Renew us. But I pray for anyone in this room that has never received your mercy and your grace. I thank you that in this moment it is at hand, it is available through your son. You're saying yes to what he did, saying yes to all that he is. And I pray, God, if there's anyone that needs that, or that you would move, and that they would say yes, and they would receive the love of God poured out. And as we come to the table tonight, we come to receive that ourselves. We come to receive your mercy 
And we come to receive your grace that goes so above and beyond. And we come back to the source of those things. They're found in your body and your blood. Your body broken on our behalf. And your blood poured out. Your blood that was perfect. It was spotless. It was clean. Those were the qualifications. You are a perfect sacrifice. And we come to the table tonight to rejoice in that. And we come to the table tonight to respond and say, God, I give you what I have. Make your home in me. Have your way with me. In Jesus' name.